Welcome to TAC Talks, a podcast where we unpack the standards for registered training organisations to provide practical information to support business improvement and compliance practices. My name is Lisa Barron and I'm the Acting Director Training Regulation at the Tax Secretariat. Today I have the pleasure of talking with Yvette Terpstra of the West Australian Adult Literacy Council and Russell Docking, one of tax auditors. Both have extensive experience and knowledge in identifying and meeting learner needs and I welcome them today to discuss this topic. Before we commence, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the Wadjuk people on whose land we record today's podcast and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Good morning, Yvette. Thanks for having me. And good morning, Russell. Uh, Hello, Lisa and Yvette. I'm pleased to be joining you both today. This podcast will focus on identifying and meeting learner needs. Yvette, my first question is to you. What are some of the individual learner characteristics RTOs need to identify and respond to? Each learner is an individual with different strengths and unmet needs. At the West Australian Adult Literacy Council, we're particularly focused on support to address language, literacy and numeracy needs. But there are many other situations or circumstances that trainers and assessors may need to be aware of to make sure that their students can participate successfully. Some of these things are age and gender, remote locations, it might be imprisonment, cultural or ethnic background, sexuality and also disabilities that might impact on participation. They could be visual impairment, physical impairment, intellectual impairment and emotional challenges. Thanks Yvette. These differences may impact on the opportunity for a person to participate in VET and their ability to achieve competency to industry standards. Yvette, why do you think it's important to meet the individual needs of learners? Well, it almost goes without saying that a fair and equitable training environment will do its best to accommodate each individual and support them in their learning goals. This makes sense both on a personal level and also on an enterprise and community level. At a personal level, meeting the individual needs of learners will enable them to achieve qualifications, get employment, build self-esteem, self-confidence and boost morale. At an enterprise and community level, there are significant benefits in productivity, reduction of cost, social equity, and the positive contributions the learners can make to the community. In this situation, it's a classic win-win-win. It's also good for the training organisation. It increases the client base. It expands the diversity of the learner cohort. It challenges trainers to really think about the requirements of competence and strengthens its links and respect with industry. Thanks, Yvette. My next question is for you, Russell. What do the standards for RTOs have to say about identifying and meeting individual learner needs? The standards for RTOs speak to this issue in the glossary and in the standards themselves. In the glossary, we find definitions for access and equity and educational and support services. And in the standards, we find Clause 1.1, which requires an RTO to provide training and assessment services, including the amount of training, sufficient to enable each enrolled learner to meet the requirements for each unit of competency or module in which they are enrolled. Clause 1.2 requires an RTO to take into consideration the existing skills, knowledge and experience of the learner in setting the amount of training. And Clause 1.4 requires the RTO to provide sufficient trainers and assessors, educational and support services, learning resources and facilities to service those training and assessment strategies and meet learner needs. 
Clause 1.7 specifically draws attention to the need to determine the support needs of individual learners and provide access to those services to enable the learner to meet the requirements of the training product in which they are enrolled. And finally, Clause 1.8 requires the RTO to implement assessment strategies that are fair and flexible so that the learner's needs are understood, considered and responded to. Thanks, Russell. And what does the learner need to know before they enrol in a course? Lisa, you will note that in my previous response that I referred to enrolled learners, with enrolment being a commitment by the RTO to deliver training and assessment services, and a commitment by the learner to engage fully in the use of those services. Not every RTO is equipped to meet the needs of every learner, so it is important that RTOs make it clear what they can do and what they cannot do, that learners are informed about the RTO's capabilities, and that the opportunity is there to select the RTO on that basis, and that RTOs only enrol students that they are confident will be able to benefit from the RTO's training services. So what do the standards say about the information an RTO must provide to prospective learners or on pre-enrolment? Standard 4 requires an RTO to provide accurate and accessible information about the RTO, its services and performance to inform prospective learners. And Standard 5 requires that each learner is properly informed and protected prior to enrolment or the commencement of training. Clause 5.1 requires the RTO to provide advice to the prospective learner about the training product appropriate to meet the learner's needs. And Clause 5.2b requires the RTO to provide advice that will enable the learner to make informed decisions about undertaking training with the RTO, including the training and assessment and related educational and support services the RTO will provide. The prospective learner will be aware of their learning needs and challenges and must have access to information before they enrol concerning an RTO's ability to accommodate those needs. The prospective RTO is aware of its ability to respond to the individual challenges and needs of learners and it must ensure that this is reflected, both its capabilities and its limitations are identified and information accessible to potential clients. The voluntary AVITMIS information gathered through an enrolment form should give an RTO an understanding of an individual's readiness to engage in its training and assessment services. The RTO must not enrol a student that it cannot support. At the very least, potential learners and potential RTOs should talk to each other. There may be pathways that the learner can follow that will bypass inaccessible learning outcomes and there may be strategies that the RTO could adopt that will enable them to meet the applicant's needs. Are RTOs good at identifying and meeting individual learner needs? What are some situations where RTOs can improve? Lisa, on the most part, RTOs are good at discovering learner needs once the learner has commenced. The interaction between the learner, the learning resources and the assessment tools will quickly reveal incompatibilities. This can be too late in some cases, which is why it's so important for the learner to be upfront about their needs, and RTOs to be upfront about their capabilities and limitations. So an error an RTO can make is that they are not forthcoming about their ability to meet learner needs. Sometimes this is driven by the belief that they must be open and welcoming to all or that once a problem arises they will muddle through, or that it is the buyer's problem, that is, the learner's and not theirs. 
RTOs can also sometimes be too pessimistic about the possibilities and opportunities from which a learner with special needs can benefit. It is too easy to characterise a disability by focusing on the challenges rather than being open to the opportunities. Much of this has to do with past practices where inflexible curriculums closed out all but the traditional cohort of students. These past practices have created a workforce and workplaces that are closed to many who could constructively and productively participate. Trainers and assessors need to utilise their vocational competence and industry skills to look beyond the past and imagine ways that competency can be trained, achieved and utilised by a broader range of learners. Thanks Russell. How can RTOs avoid these pitfalls? Can you describe some strategies that RTOs might adopt to identify and meet individual learner needs? Lisa, there are a few strategies which can be used. The first strategy is for the RTO to be imaginative and creative about its training and assessment processes so that it can service the needs of a broader cohort of learners with varying needs. This requires substantial consultation and agreement with the trainers and assessors who would be providing the services. Strategies might require coaching services, learning resources that use plain language, specific learning resources such as language, literacy and numeracy training, general learning skill development, additional time, modified learning and assessment strategies and materials, modified facilities and equipment, or access to resources and services outside the RTO. The second strategy, the RTO must be open and honest about its limitations. These limitations may lie outside the RTO. They might be built into the units of competency themselves, or they might be limitations due to the reality of the workplace environment. There may also be limitations internal to the RTO, such as the cost of special resources, the modification of learning facilities, or the employment of additional staff, or disruption to the environment of other students. Third, the RTO must openly and honestly inform potential learners of the ability of the RTO to cope with individual needs for specific training products and the need for potential learners to be equally frank about their needs prior to enrolment. Fourthly, the RTO and the potential learner need to talk together about the possibility of working together. If it can be done, then the RTO can enrol the learner with the understanding that the learner's needs will be met. If it is beyond the RTO's ability, then the RTO should encourage the potential learner to consider other training product options or possibly other RTOs. Finally, once engaged with the RTO, the RTO must ensure that the learner has ongoing support and access to the services and resources required to meet their needs, consistent with the requirements of the standards for RTOs. Thanks Russell. Back to you now Yvette for our last question. What do you think of these approaches? Well, I can see that the standards encourage RTOs to be sensitive and responsive to individual needs, but a great deal still rests upon the RTO and its trainers and assessors being able to cater for different learner cohorts. It also relies on learners being upfront and clear about their needs, and it's obvious this is not always the case. In our experience, learners may not know what is required of them until they actually start the course or maybe they're not able to self-assess their language literacy or numeracy needs. It is important that RTOs inform themselves of what assistance is available, either within the RTOs or externally through such organisations as the Reading Writing Hotline and Read Right Now for those learners who slip through the net. It ensures the best outcome for all learners that they interact with. 
Thanks, Yvette and Russell, for speaking with us and providing us with more insight into identifying and meeting learner needs. That concludes our podcast for today, and I just want to remind listeners that additional information on all that we've discussed is available on the TAC website at www.tac.wa.gov.au. That includes our fact sheets on identifying and meeting learner needs and on reasonable adjustment and inclusive practice, our webinars and a recording of this podcast. You've been listening to Lisa Barron, Yvette Terpstra and Russell Docking and I thank you for joining us. <laughs>